Welcome to the Vine Podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to continue our discussions about Advent with a conversation that is going to be centered around the music of Advent and then maybe some other thoughts and, and conversations that sort of spin off of that. And we briefly touched on some of this in our last podcast, but it was just kind of very, uh, kind of a, a fleeting couple of comments. And so we wanted to expand on that a little more today. Uh, and so Jason is joining me once again for this conversation. Hello, Jason. Good morning, Warren. Great to be here as always. That's right. And our special guest for today's episode is John Hatfield. Hello, John, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Warren. Hey, Jason. Hi. Hi. Uh, and so the, the connection with John is that John was, our connection with John is that John was the worship leader at a, for the contemporary worship services at Clear Lake United Methodist Church when Jason and his family worshiped there uh, before they moved to Belton. And so John, you said that you are now though at Ecclesia Clear Lake, is that right? Is that the church where you were at now? That's right, yeah. Okay, and you're the worship leader there as well? I am, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, how, how has that experience been and how, how are you, how are you enjoying worship leading there? Yeah, it's good. Uh, we're a, we're a nice tight knit little community here, uh, on the Southeast side of Houston. And, um, the church has been around for about 13, 14 years now, I think. Uh, so sort of growing into, growing into our own and, and, um, it's, uh, you know, we've been sort of navigating this, this season together and, and all of its challenges, but, uh, but things are things are rocking along, so it's been good. Yeah, that's great. And, and yeah, all all of all of our churches kind of have their own, in some ways, unique set of challenges that 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 are accompany this time. But we all are kind of facing the same issue for now, and so that kind of is a a unifying factor amongst all of us that we, everyone knows what we're dealing with in this, and we all may be handling it a little bit differently, but. We're sort of sort of all struggling through the same storm here. So, yeah, uh, John Jason had sent me a link to, link to your Bandcamp page, which incidentally was the first time I'd ever heard of Bandcamp. Oh, you're kidding <laughs> so, me! That's a tragedy, Warren. That is an absolute I'm tragedy. Not, I'm not very musically um, hip, I guess. <laughs> but now, but now Warren's the biggest independent music uh, supporter on the planet now that he's discovered Bandcamp, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that makes it, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or somebody that would go to, he went to like a music festival or something and was going around asking people what they thought of fake band names and they were giving all these thoughts. Oh yeah, they're great. I knew them before they were big. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Uh, but anyways... Uh, in your bio there, you describe yourself as the host of the, the Hemistry Podcast, which is a great name for a podcast, a liturgy nerd, and a fan of great burgers everywhere. So let's start with the really important stuff. Uh, where is your favorite place to get a burger? Oh, gosh. Um, my favorite place to get, like, just to get a burger? Um, yeah, if you got to go get a burger today for lunch and, and you're taking somebody with you, where are you going? Yeah, there's a place in in Clear Lake down here called Miller's. Jason knows it. Um, Miller's is a little hamburger dive that makes uh, really great burgers. But uh, probably for everyday burgers, I'm I'm a Whataburger guy. Um, All right. For the most part, and and I say that with a with an asterisk because In and Out hasn't made its way to to this side of Houston yet. It's it exists in 
other parts of town, but uh, secretly, as as long as I've lived in Texas, you know, I, I'm 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 a Texan now, so I can't say this without violating a bunch of like religious code. But I I prefer In and Out Burger to to Whataburger. Heresy. See, I've never, Heresy, I've I tell never you. even understood the debate between In and Out and Whataburger. It's, <laughs> I don't. It's Whataburger easily. And, and I mean, I'm, you know, the, all the other burgers, like the dive burger places, yeah, all those kind of have a special, special, they're, they're, they're better in their own right. But if we're talking fast food stuff, I, I don't understand In-N-Out over Whataburger. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I. I'm sorry. I don't well, it's think been good like having a, you today, John. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. No. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we we won't spend any more time there. Uh, um, Clearly, I failed the test. Um. You did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so so to to get to a little more of, of of our actual the meat of our conversation, so to no, speak. No no pun intended. The theme, yeah. No pun intended. Uh, you also described yourself there as a liturgy nerd. So I'm wondering, can you kind of explain that one to us? How how does one become a liturgy nerd, and and where did kind of your passion for liturgy come from? I think liturgy nerd is a title that's bestowed upon someone by other people who uh, are maybe tired of listening to them talk about liturgical things all the time. Um, and so it's it's not maybe a moniker that I would take upon myself willingly uh, as much as it's been gifted to me, especially by people in my community um, who uh, who get to listen to me talk about uh, the church calendar and uh, rhythms of worship and and the narrative of of the Christ story throughout the year and and, and things like that. So um, I, while I while I accept the 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 title of liturgy nerd, um, I am I am uh, I'm a big fan of uh, liturgical um, aspects of worship. I'm a big fan of of narrative driven. Um, storytelling worship and I think uh, the the liturgical rhythms of the church especially reflected in the church year are a, a gift that have been handed down for for centuries in the church and it's a it's a privilege to be able to continue those traditions uh, regardless of, of denominational background or, or um, you know type of type of setting um, we all have access to those to those rhythms and, and traditions if we're uh, willing to explore and tap into them. Yeah, that's good. And so I know there's 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 certainly a, a rhythm to the calendar and to the liturgical calendar and, and ways that that impacts sort of seasons of worship. And so you use that phrase, the rhythm of worship. And I'm curious, does as you think about the rhythm of worship, how much does that plan? How much does that play into what you plan for, like on an individual Sunday? And does that impact what you do on an individual Sunday, or is it more kind of holistic around what you're, the environment you're kind of trying to create in worship in general? Um, I think it's it's probably a little bit of both, but it definitely impacts the the individual Sundays throughout the year, um, depending on where we are in the calendar and, and and kind of the kind of the question that that people have grown accustomed to hearing me ask is what time is it, um, and and you know, with the church year, what we're really doing is marking time with the life of Jesus. And we, we are, you know, we find ourselves in, in various places in that story at different times. And, and so there are 
rhythms in and out of of um, fasting or preparation and into celebration and back into fasting and, and preparation and then into celebration. And so on any given week, it, it, it matters, you know, to, to me as far as, you know, how we prepare for worship and, and um, selections of content for worship and things like that. Um, but on the broader scale, um, I think I think one of the the sort of the most inspiring things about the the church year is is sort of the sweeping narrative that happens you know every year with Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and then Lent and Holy Week and Easter and 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 getting to live those rhythms um, until they sort of become a part of how you really you tell time. Um, and so it, it kind of works on on both of those levels, you know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, so as you're thinking about just kind of um, the specifics of this time, I like that question of what what time is it. If I was to ask you that right now, I'm I'm assuming you would kind of say a time of, of preparation and waiting. Is that how you would describe this time? Would that be your answer to this? Absolutely. Yeah, Advent is definitely a time of of preparation and reflection and 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 sort of um, that that inward um, stillness in in waiting for something, waiting for uh, something to come to fruition here, right? Um, yeah. And and so, you know, I different traditions do it different ways. Um, in our church, we have a a theme for each week of Advent. Our first theme, uh, our first week was hope. Our second week was peace. And this upcoming Sunday is is joy, mm-hmm. and so we'll we'll sing songs about joy. We'll we'll talk about um, the joy that we're anticipating and and the joy that we get to taste even now. You know, in in that anticipation. Um, and so, yeah, I I think um, Advent sort of stands in contrast to well for us. Um, Advent stands in contrast to the holiday shopping season, right? Um, if if the if the world around us is saying like, now's the time to get your your stuff, like now's the time to partake in these you know these sales and these celebrations and these um, Christmas parties and 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 whatever else, like Advent sort of stands in contrast to that and says wait, something better is coming, you know? Um, yeah. It doesn't begin with Black Friday, right? Um, <laughs> and, and so we, we sort of have this, you know, built into, built into the, the, the history of our faith, we, we have this season of, of preparation. We have this season to, to kind of slow down and listen and wait, um, and I think that's such an important thing to cultivate in our lives in general, right? Um, and and what Advent does is provides us intentional space to do that as we as we reflect on things like, um, you know, delayed gratification or uh, denial of self and, and and things like that. As as we even as we see the rush around us and 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 we can sort of call ourselves and and the people in our communities and and even even the world around us to whatever extent to um you know sort of remember that there's there's something better that we're waiting for than just um the the culmination of of the holiday shopping season yeah 
And so I'm curious, as someone who, as you say, you've you've had this label bestowed on you of of liturgy nerd, um, you're you're sort of you you're obviously wrapped up in 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 leading a a group in worship on on a weekly basis, and so you're thinking about that and and have this affinity for Advent. And so I'm kind of curious about how all those three sort of work together. And as you think about the concepts of Advent, what do you think? How does music play a role in sort of helping us to focus on those things and and bring those things about in our own lives and in our hearts and things like that as we're trying to present this contrast to what the culture around us is doing? Uh, Is there a special role that music plays in in sort of helping us to get there, do you think? Yeah, uh, that's a a great question. Um, I think think the, the, the music specific, you know, if, if we're talking about like Advent specific songs or songs that would convey, uh, those themes of hope and peace and joy and love, um, or, or songs about waiting songs about, um, the, the sort of already, but not yet aspects of our faith and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think, I think music in worship is, is a, is a means of co-creating an environment more than it is, just eliciting an emotional response. I mean, I think the emotional response is definitely a, a component of that. But, um, you know, I let me think about how how, how I want to phrase this. Because, um, like, I can feel that I'm headed off in a tangent. Um, <laughs> Um, it's all right. We chase some rabbits sometimes. Yeah, that, no, that yeah. wouldn't be um, unusual for this podcast at all. <laughs> good, good deal. Because so we far we've go... been we've been super streamlined so far. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You're well, good. We may... go stream go stream a thought with it. Just yeah, we, <laughs> take we may, us somewhere. We may go far afield here. Um, I think I think providing people a, a, a context, um, sort of a, a, an artistic basis for expression when we're inviting them into a season of of sort of countercultural or even or even counterintuitive at this point behaviors and observations and and reflection music helps us sort of set the table for things like that um we use music to get us in the mood for all sorts of things right like um we use music to get us amped up to work out or we use music to to chill so we can study or we, you know, whatever it is that we use music for. And, and while I don't want to get too much into like the utilitarian aspects of that, cause I think, I think music and art are, are bigger and broader than just utilitarian uses. I think in the context of Christian worship, um, music has, has sort of two roles. And, and one of them is to sort of set the table and create the environment for people to, to come together. And the other one is a formational, uh, sort of role because the the longer we sing something, um, the more we sort of start to believe it, right? Mm. The um, the the words and the melodies sort of start to take root in our heads and our hearts in a way that that maybe other things don't. Because, like Warren, when when you preach. Um, you know, folks are listening and taking in the words that you're saying, but they're not saying those words with you, right? Necessarily, they're not internalizing it by repeating it. Um, and 
but when we sing and we can sing the same we could sing the same things, right? We could sing the same concepts. We could sing the same ideas. But, but when we're all singing that together, it sort of becomes a part of, of, of our bodies in a way, right? Um, and, and, and our self-expression and, and the expression of our faith together, individually and as a community. And so there's a, there's a sort of a corporate creational aspect to to Advent music, if if I'm telling somebody, slow down, wait, it's not time yet. Um, let's let's think about what it means. Like, what is what does peace look like in a world that's full of violence? What does hope look like in a world that's full of hopelessness and loneliness? Mm-hmm. What does joy look like in a world that's filled with anxiety and and fear? Um, if if we're if we're talking about those things and singing about those things, it, it reinforces it in a formational way, and then we're doing it every year, right? So we're getting back to this idea that um, these rhythms um, are are sort of shaping the way that we we live, even more than just the um, it's Christmas time, it's Easter time, that that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I appreciate that perspective because I do think just as you were talking, I, I had the thought that it does seem like, you know, in, in other areas of our lives, we recognize the formational role that that art plays, some more than others, but, but most of us have probably been impacted in some way by a movie or a song or or an art exhibit or something. There's probably something along those lines that has impacted us in some way or, or had an effect on us. And and I do think that probably in, in some traditions have, have sort of um, done, done better and, and recognized the, the potential for art to do that in church spaces more than others. But, but the ways that that can, can affect us and impact us and inform us in worship and in a church setting makes sense. And I think maybe, maybe more fully recognized around this season than others. I think this is the, the Advent season seems to be one that is open to or, or maybe more, um, I don't know, it's, it's one that has more artistic expression around it, it seems like, in, in church settings. Sure. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's good. And, and kind of along those, the lines of what you said about there, there's this formational aspect to it, um, I thought of, so there's, you have a song that you wrote on your, on your site called Hope Is Here, and about that song, you said you wrote it to remind yourself of the necessity and even the beauty of waiting. Mm. And so um, I, I thought of that as you were kind of sharing that, that thought of the foundational aspects of it and how maybe, maybe worship and, and maybe the arts in worship can help us to see some of the beauty of, of waiting. And so I'm curious as you think about that, what, did, what in your mind is beautiful about waiting? Where do you see beauty in waiting? Throughout Scripture, and and definitely um, in the example of of people people of faith throughout throughout the centuries, um, I think there are, there are multiple examples of, of um, trusting God to to um, deliver, trusting God to to provide or, or or to come through, and and it doesn't happen in the in the the window of time that we would necessarily expect. Right, um, and I, I think about that especially around this time of year because you know our our gospel narrative for the birth of Jesus begins with the idea of you know in the fullness of time, 
and this idea of d- at, at just the right time, well, there would be no way for us to, to you know, expect that fullness. You know, when, it, when is the fullness of time, you know? Um, when is the fullness of time for, for, for us to experience life in Christ, for example, you know? Um, when is the fullness of time for us to experience unhindered joy um, in, in our lives? When is the fullness of time for us to, for us to see our hope come to fruition? Um, and so I think, I think a, a major theme of the Christian life, I think a major um, aspect of, of um, sanctification, can we say sanctification on this podcast? Is that? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I, think a, I think a major aspect of, of sanctification is, is learning to wait, um, you know, wait, wait on the Lord. The, um, the Isaiah passage from uh, this last week um, in, in Isaiah 40, um, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Um, I, I think God more often calls us into waiting than into any other posture, uh, in our, in our lives. Um, and it's not a, I think this is, this is something that, uh, some years ago was sort of hit home for me in a, in an Advent devotional that I read by a, an Anglican priest in Nashville named Thomas McKenzie. And he has a, he has an Advent devotional called the harpooner and he talks about the idea of of waiting as a as as a person who who hunts whales in in you know old seafaring days right and they would get this rickety little boat off the side of the ship and they'd they'd cast it out into the ocean and there'd be a team of rowers and then there would be the the one lone person in the front of the boat whose role it was to to throw the harpoon right at the whale and and they had no other, they had no other activity in the boat. They weren't rowing, so they weren't in control of where the boat was going or how fast it was going to get there. They had they had one role, and that was to wait and watch. Hmm. And so that waiting is an anticipatory waiting, right? That waiting is is a um, an expectant waiting. It's a um, Thomas McKenzie says it's a it's a it's a coiled waiting, right? It's a um, hmm. There's a tension to that waiting. It's not um, apathy or antipathy or, or full relaxation. Um, and I think that that tension is what creates the beauty, right? We know that this world is not the way um, that it will be, that it, that it can be, that it should be. Um, but we know that Christ's coming, and, and in Advent we, we anticipate both the incarnation and Christ's return. We know that Christ's coming begins and and will ultimately set the world right, um, and so that tension is what creates the beauty, um, and and gives us something to hope for, something to wait for, something to to look for off the the bow of the ship as we mm. as we go. Yeah, I've never thought about tension being what what brings the beauty, but I think you know again if you think about other sort of areas of life, how how many of those things are built on on the tension of i mean you you know what if if you take tension out of movies you know there's a lot of movies where you're not going to be left with much and um sporting events you know the the 
almost the the entire premise behind you know an attraction to sporting events is the tension of yeah. competition and winning and losing and how is this going to end and and how much the the tension is the compelling factor that's right in so many other things that we engage ourselves in and and seeing the beauty of that within this season uh, is is an interesting perspective i think that's good yeah well and the the part of waiting that i i think is very underappreciated in general not just as it relates to to advent but just in general is that waiting forces you to slow down um and slowing down is something that i don't know if it's necessarily always been the case in human history but certainly in my life and in the life of a lot of us in American society, uh, slowing down is something that almost feels like it has to be in, done intentionally, uh, pandemics notwithstanding, uh, that we don't often slow down. And I've noticed that when I'm forced to slow down, when I'm forced to wait, um, I do a better job of kind of taking stock of what I have and what's around me. Um, I'm better able to see and experience the little things in life that are a, are easy to kind of overlook or take for granted. Um, and so I can't help but wonder if the, you know, part of the benefit of the season of Advent, kind of like what we've been talking about, is, you know, we're anticipating Christmas Day and kind of going back to what John was talking about the sort of cons- the, the consumerism that is developed around that, um, that a lot of our anticipation is around that and, and our eagerness is around that. But Advent forces us to wait, not, not just for the, uh, for the consumeristic parts, but for, you know, kind of the, the anticipation of family and friends and, you know, the celebrations that we have around Christmas and the, um, and, and, you know, the music, uh, you know, Christmas music is so ubiquitous and so much a, an indelible part of the season, not just with Advent, of course, but, but with the entire season. Um, and, and I think all of the anticipation and the waiting that we're, uh, that, that we allow ourselves to engage in kind of make for such a rich, experience when it does arrive. Um, and waiting in general is just something that is very underappreciated um, in, our, in our society uh, nowadays. And it just helps me kind of become more aware of the, the beauty and the simplicity of the mundane, of the everyday, of the, but also of the things that may not be mundane, but that may be taken for granted or overlooked. And, and with Advent specifically, it's easy to take for granted, especially if you're like me and have always grown up in the church and in a Christian family, you take for granted kind of the, um, the, the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's, that's one of those things that, you know, I've heard about since I was born and it's easy for me to just forget about. Well, Advent's a time for me to remember that. And, you know, Lent obviously being another time to remember that, um, in a different, in a very different way and, and with different focuses. But for me, that, that's what I, 
I, and so I see the waiting part as being not just a necessary part, but a beneficial part that it has its own value and its own, uh, its own benefit to Christians as well. Yeah, you know, I I told after our last podcast, Jason, I told our Zoom group on Wednesday that one of the thoughts that I'd had about waiting, because we talked about some of that that you had mentioned, John, about that that waiting is not, it's different from this just kind of sitting around doing nothing. It's not spiritual laziness. It's not apathy, that it's this anticipatory waiting. And and so afterwards, I thought of, you know, I, I hate it when I'm in line at like a counter service restaurant. Um like Mod Pizza is the one that I frequent the most or Subway or any any place where you order at the counter and you have this long line and you're waiting and then the person in front of you gets up to the counter and they don't know what they want and they start looking at the menu like in that moment, like they've been playing on their phone or something or, or whatever the whole time in line and it's like, you know, what what have you been doing this whole, t- you know, we, we've been waiting here for 10 minutes and now you're just now looking at the menu for the first time. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You could have been preparing yourself for this moment. You knew that it was coming and now you're not ready. And uh, so, a- a- so there's, man. there's a preparatory aspect of it. So that's, that's exactly right. Um, all right, so I want to think specifically kind of now about some of the music of Advent. And, and I want to do something here, like, because I think for those of us who, may, who don't think about some of the stuff maybe as, as frequently as you do or, or are engaged with the music of it, it seems like um, Advent and Christmas music really kind of get jumbled together. Do you, do you think that, do you see a, a distinct separation between Advent music and, and Christmas music as, as you think about it from a worship perspective, as a worship leader, or is there quite a lot, because it seems like inherently there, there is going to be quite a lot of overlap there. So do you see those as two distinctive things, or is there kind of overlap, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I think there are definitely Advent songs that we sing even even in specific weeks of advent um you know as as we as we sort of go through the advent story and and progress toward christmas um one of the images that sort of that sort of um shows up throughout time is that idea of like growing light as we move toward christmas right and so uh the first week of advent takes place in in darkness um and and so songs like Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel! That are really pensive and and sort of, you know, um, have that tension to them, right? Um, now, even that song um, calls for joy, calls for rejoicing in the refrain, right? But um, there is there is sort of an inherent, um, you know, sort of darker tone to to some of that some of that music. Um, but there there's also um, you know, as we move closer and closer to to Christmas Day, as we move closer and closer to, um, you know, sort of the full realization of of the incarnation of Christ, um, those songs sort of start to be infused with more expectation of what's of what's coming. Um, and so, uh, I actually I had a conversation uh, the other day uh, about whether or not "Joy to the World" is an Advent song. We discussed that in our Wednesday night Zoom actually this week. Did as well, you? So. Yeah. Did yeah. you say? Did you say yes? Yes, it is. 
Well, we uh, both perspectives were presented by different people in the Zoom. One that <laughs> yeah. it was an Advent song and one that it was a Christmas song. So Sure, sure. <laughs> well, so that song uh, specifically, you know, that, that hymn um, is... Uh, it's it's both right. It's definitely both. But there's a lot of like eschatological content to that song, like like final yeah. things more more than uh, Advent first. You know, celebration of the incarnation or anticipation of the incarnation. Um, but but that point us toward you know for for a long time in church history, Advent was um, you know specifically almost exclusively looked at eschatologically. Um, and so it was, it was looking at, um, even I think I maybe darker themes, uh, to some extent than hope and love and joy and peace. Right. Um, and so I, I think there, there are songs that stand kind of on their own in Advent. And then there are songs that get a little blurrier about Advent and Christmas, um, and then there may also be songs, depending on depending on how Christmas is observed, that are um, more appropriate for Christmas than than we may even think that you know that they that they are right. So um, there are hymns that we would not associate necessarily with Christmas. Like we'll, we'll sing "Silent Night" and we'll sing "Oh Come All Ye Faithful" and we'll sing "Go Tell It on a Mountain" and, and things like that, right? Um, but there are hymns like uh, "Love Divine, All Loves Excelling," "Joy of Heaven to Earth Come Down." That's a mm. that's a Christmas hymn. Uh, we sing that yeah. in lots of different times, you know, in in the in the year. But but that's a Christmas hymn. Um, and and so I think there's I think there, you know, sort of by contrast, there's probably also um, Advent songs that we you know, that we don't necessarily, we may not necessarily, you know, put in Advent, um, but that definitely fit the, fit the context. Um, and so it's, it's really about, again, evoking those themes and, and sort of, um, positioning our minds to reflect on, on those themes of waiting and tension and, and anticipation and hope. Um, and it's, it's, you know, um, it's less about, at least for me, um, there probably was a time early on in, in latching on to, you know, liturgy and, and church tradition and things like that. Um, there was a, a purity about it. Like, we're only going to sing Advent songs during Advent. We're not going to sing Joy to the World, you know. Um, and and I, I don't I don't feel that way anymore. And one of the things that I think is, is interesting about this year um, specifically is people are already experiencing the the like the innate feelings that we try to evoke during advent right they're already experiencing a little bit of of disconnection separation um they're already experiencing ten- tension um yeah even even conflict um right they're they're experiencing a lot of the things that we that we sing about Christ coming to repair in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Um, o Come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind, right? Um, bid thou our sad divisions cease. That th- those are the things that we're we're like we're living 
some of those things right, right now. Um, and so I don't, I, I told a friend back in, back in Lent going into Holy Week as, as the pandemic was, you know, just sort of beginning, um, she was asking about her church and, and what, what they could do for, uh, for Lent that year. And, and I told her like, we're already living these realities. Like we don't need to try to evoke these things. And so I have found at least this year that, um, putting up Christmas lights and, and singing familiar songs is a comfort to people. Um, and providing that comfort even in the midst of that, because they're already feeling that tension. I don't need to teach in that tension through music right. necessarily, um, because they're, they're living it. Um, yeah, it's, it's the air around us that we're breathing all the time. So That's right. Yeah. And so I think, I think most, most traditions that really lean heavily into church rhythms and traditions and things like that um, recognize, like, we don't, we don't celebrate Advent, uh-huh. right? We celebrate Christmas. Advent is a is a an observance or something that right. we keep, you know, mm-hmm. um, like a vigil. We keep watch. We keep Advent. Um, we celebrate Christmas. We keep or observe Lent. We celebrate Easter, um, and and those that we do those things because they are good practice. They're good practice for real seasons in our lives when we may have to go without. We may have to be uh, strained, or we may experience um, things that are contrary to our expectations as to how the world should work. If that's not this time in our lives, um, I don't know what is. And so that's the real gift of the church year, right? Is the preparation, like the real rubber meets the road preparation of um, learning how to to live in anticipation. It, this it's not always going to be this way, right? We know that the the pandemic is not forever. We know that these that these um, these times that we're living in and, and, and the conflicts that we may be experiencing in our lives interpersonally or on a larger scale, like it's, it's not forever. Um, and there are even now ways that peace and hope and joy can, can break into those, those moments. Um, and so there's a very real and not at all abstract, um, application for, for all of this stuff and, and we're living in it right now. And so I find that people, um, are, are sort of comforted by the familiar aspects of Advent and Christmas music this year. Um, generally, I like to try to find, you know, sort of new angles, you know, re, repurposing or retuning hymns is one of my favorite sort of artistic endeavors. Um, but, but this year I've, I've kind of pushed that off to the side just, just to kind of live into the, the familiar sort of timelessness of, of some of that music so that we're not, um, so that we kind of have a home, you know, to return to. Um, and it gives, it gives us an opportunity to listen to history and listen to the church, uh, throughout the ages tell us like, this isn't all there is. It, it, it does, you know, everything changes and, and, you know, think about, um, saints of old who observed these same these same weeks you know centuries ago telling you 
just wait just a little longer, you know, just, just hold on. Um, other, other, you know, Christians throughout time who lived through pandemics and persecution and, and conflict and war and hunger and, and all those things. And, and they're telling us, you know, as, as we celebrate Advent, just, just hold on, just, just wait a little longer. I think that's kind of the cloud of witnesses idea, yeah. right? Is Absolutely. And, and I, I think that was another thing that the sort of, I was struck by in your, some of the songs on your Bandcamp page in your Hope Is Here Advent EP that, so one of the songs I mentioned earlier, you, you, you had written, the other two songs that were on there were written in 1664 and 1825. So yeah. these, <laughs> these are not modern contemporary uh, Christmas worship songs. These are, these are words that have been around for a long time and that have been sung by people in all kinds of different Advent seasons. And, and, and I do think there, there could be a particular comfort in that of, of, man, people have been singing these words for centuries um, in times where the tension was more real than, than other times. And in times, maybe, as you said, you know, there may be seasons of Advent where I have to intentionally evoke those those tensions and those emotions because everything is going well in my life and I just, you know, I'm, I'm riding high. It's just win after win after win. Um, and so there may be seasons of like that when those words are sung. And then there may be seasons when, as you said, I, I don't need to do anything to evoke the tension because it's all that I know. Um, and there is something, I think, about that cloud of witnesses idea that, that can be a source of, of comfort for us um, just in life, but particularly in this, in this season, as we think about some of the, the Advent stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so as, as kind of thinking then continuing to think about Advent and Christmas music, it does seem like, cause I was thinking about this and cause it, it feels sort of like, you know, we have more, more music, um, that's specifically written for these seasons, maybe than other seasons. And so I was thinking about Easter, you know, like we have songs that speak to the Easter concepts of resurrection and, and things like that, but we sing them throughout the year. They're not, we don't necessarily think of them as Easter songs. Whereas with Christmas and Advent, there are songs that like, if you sang O Come, o Come Emmanuel in July, people might think, you know, you've kind of, <laughs> you know, John, do you remember what time it is? Like, this isn't the time right. for, for joy to the world or O Come, O Come Emmanuel. <laughs> right. um, and so I, that was one of the things that Jason and I were kind of curious about. Like, do you find as a, as someone who is artistically driven, as someone who is a songwriter, do you find there's something sort of more inspiring about this particular season? Or do you think we find some influences? We have so many Christmas songs culturally and secularly. Is there some of that influence that, that bleeds over into church life? Or, or what do you kind of see as, as far as the artistic expression goes around this season? Yeah, I think uh, I definitely feel maybe even i i don't want to say more inspired but but i do feel particularly inspired around advent and christmas um if you go to my bandcamp page right now there's two advent and christmas eps and and a, a hymn a single hymn of doxology that's all that's up there right now because that's by and large the majority of the recording that i've done in the last several years um and and so i i do find the advent's my fa- i guess if we have a a favorite advent's probably my favorite season on the calendar um because of what it evokes and what it represents and and what it's really pointing us toward in the incarnation and and that sort of thing and and everything that that means 
to us. Um, I do think that there's probably some cultural um, influence folded into that because there is such a massive collection of Christmas music and and Christmas the Christmas season seems to be a time of of you know um, not just not just more music but more singing like we we find it more culturally acceptable to sing together in public um, yeah. during Christmas time you know um, and you know I don't know I don't know if people still go Christmas caroling I certainly probably not this year but um, you know, for, for a long time, that's, that's been a much more, exce- you, you know, there's nobody's going out and, and singing songs, like you say, in, uh, you know, in, in Lent, um, <laughs> we're not, um, there's no Lent not, carolers. Yeah. There's no Lent carolers. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's saying something, you know, um, maybe that's something you could start some, <laughs> I, I, I think I would be alone in my, in, in, in my observation of, of that, um, exercise if I showed up to a nursing home to sing, Oh, sacred head now wounded. Um, <laughs> that, that might not go over super well, but if I show up to a nursing home in, uh, in Advent or Christmas and sing Christmas songs, everybody sings along and, uh, and we and we have a good time, and it, it's, it seems to be a much more sort of socially acceptable thing around Christmas time to to sing together, and and so I think that contributes some, um, you know, to to the the volume of of music that we find at Christmas time, and and I don't know, I mean, a lot of artists that I follow and 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 um, appreciate, even even back. In, in time, um, you know, it's always a special thing when they put out a Christmas record or whatever, you know. Um, and so how are, how are, how are they going to do your favorite Christmas songs and, and, and that sort of thing? It's, it's kind of um, uh, just a part of, of, of our artistic culture. Um, and so I, I think that that is um, some of it. There, there is, to me... Um, especially because of the things that we focus on the themes and, and, you know, the ideas of joy and, um, we can definitely get that sort of, um, dopamine hit from Christmas music, right? Like I know folks that start listening to Christmas music in October or whatever. And, and I've got a couple of friends, uh, my hemistry co-host Luke, uh, listens to Christmas music all year round. Uh, he loves Christmas music and, and I love Christmas music too, but I don't think anybody loves Christmas music as much as Luke Bronner does. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is, it is one of those things that there's, there's a, there's a nostalgia, there's a sentimentality, there's, um, you know, there's a, a deep feeling that comes from a lot of that music. And so we, we gravitate toward it and we try to, our brains try to get it you know, as often as possible. And, and, um, we get that out of Christmas music, I think more than, more than anything else. We may not necessarily, we may not necessarily get that out of Advent music per se, depending on how we're wired or, or the, you know, the type of tradition that we grew up in. I think I, I probably do a little bit, um, in the sense that singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, or, or some of the 
some of the hymns that are on Hope Is Here, um, Come Thou Precious Ransom. That song for me is is I, I love that hymn so much, and and it sort of lyrically goes through the whole church year, um, in in its in its expression. You know, come thou precious ransom. Um, it talks about our hosannas and our palms. So we're in Holy Week there, you know, and and it sort mm-hmm. of takes us through the the whole year in a, in a single hymn. Um, but but those songs for me are 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 deep and meaningful this time of year. Um, and and prepare prepare my heart um, for a Christmas celebration that I you know uh, to scale right because for me if we're gonna spend a month essentially right uh, waiting and anticipating and and saying not yet not yet not yet um, then then Christmas should be a, a giant party. Um, and I think one of the, one of the big gifts of the church year is that Christmas is a 12 day festival. Um, and if we're only celebrating Christmas on December 25th, we're missing out on really the majesty of, of what that means. And, and, Hmm. you know, sort of the, the celebration of the incarnation on, on a grand level. Um, even as we, um, you know, some 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 of us might experience fatigue at the end of the holiday shopping season. You know, start taking down the right. tree on December twenty seventh and and whatever else. You know, <laughs> um, but but I think if the if the message of Advent is is wait and hold on uh, because the light is coming, the the message of Christmas is don't stop celebrating, never stop celebrating the incarnation, um, and just like you said with with Easter. Um, there are Easter hymns and resurrection songs that we sing every Sunday because as Christians, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. Um, and that's, that's always going to be the, the message of the, the, the Easter, you know, the, the resurrection story is that what that, what that does for us is, is unending. And the same thing is true of the incarnation. Never stop celebrating the incarnation. That's the message of Christmas. And so, um, you get that yeah, contrast right out of the box. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, I want to get you out of here in just a minute with a, kind of a lightning round of questions. And so we'll do that in just a second. But, but before we do that, if um, you, you mentioned your, your hemistry podcast again, so what is, could you kind of give a, if people want to hear more from you, give us a brief description of, of that podcast and, and what y'all try to do there. Yeah. Um, so hemistry, we, um, we haven't done a new season of Hemistry in a while, but the cool thing about that podcast, I think, it would be new if you haven't listened to it. So it, it's new <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, and and a lot of the stuff that we get into is is maybe um, uh, maybe new new songs that you're not familiar with, or or um, concepts along. We tried to arrange the whole show along the church calendar so that we're talking about songs during appropriate times and and what those seasons are similar to the conversation that we've had today we talk about hymns um in in specific seasons we we talk about the seasons themselves and and how how we celebrate or observe uh different different times of the church year we talk with uh artists and musicians that have retuned the the idea of the show is is specifically sort of built around retuned hymns um old or obscure hymns that maybe people aren't 
completely familiar with, but but there's a lot of artists out there that are putting new music to uh, really great old texts that are maybe a little bit less well known. Well, I'll just about hymnistry. I I I've listened to all the episodes, and uh, I will just kind of repeat what John said about there's some really good original music. They have some guest performers on, and and uh, some of the the original music. Well, a lot of the original music is just really incredible stuff. And so, uh, you know, they, they do have a lot of discussion and conversation. But uh, I think one cool thing is that there's always, um, you know, new songs and, and cool music to listen to as part of that, too. Yeah, we got to talk to some, you know, sort of heroes of ours. We we had a we had a day where we got to hang out with Robbie C. and, and Latifa Alatas from Page 116 and... Um, just some really cool people, um, who have been, who have been doing that kind of work for a long time. And it, it was really, really cool to get to sit and listen to them share stories about the hymns and, and the way that those hymns have impacted them. And also just, um, the, you know, get to hear them, um, get to be in the room when they, I tell you, uh, you know sitting and, and listening to Robbie play and sing, you know, just in the room with a, with a microphone is, is an experience, you know, that guy can just turn it on and, uh, so good. So, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening to that show, Jason. It's, uh, near and near and dear to me and, 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 and I'm really proud of it and, and happy to, uh, to have it out there. So thanks. Well, John, we, we appreciate you taking time to, to spend, to spend with us today and, as Jason and I have talked about before, we're still sort of newbies and, and amateurs to some of the church calendar stuff. We didn't grow up in traditions that, that typically followed a lot of the calendar things. And so we we find ourselves um, growing more and more of an affinity for, for these types of seasons and, and the calendar. And our church kind of jumps in and out of some of the calendar stuff. We don't really follow it fully. Um, but we have typically observed Advent, and but it's always good to to get to hear the perspective from someone who, who spends a lot more time uh, thinking about these things and, and pondering these things. And so I, I've enjoyed the conversation and, and appreciate you, you jumping on with us today. Yeah, me too, Warren. It's, uh, it's always fun to, you know, sit and chat about that. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all the time you know, and, and, oh, and yeah. do, uh, you know, to, to glazed over faces sometimes. And, and uh, I, I appreciate the... <laughs> the the uh, opportunity to to chat and and to hang out and it's it's been good conversation yeah all right so we're gonna get out of here today on with a lightning round all right and um so i'm just gonna fire some stuff off and tell me your your first first reaction first answer so here we go uh john what is your favorite advent song come now long expected jesus what about favorite non-advent worship song Ooh, we'll come back to that one. All right. Uh, most overrated burger topping? Relish. Amen. Uh, the most important, <laughs> most important element of a great burger is what? The blend of the meat that's used. Mm, that's good. Uh, Got to have... Gotta have some pork belly in it. That's that's the that's the key. Favorite Christmas movie. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. We can cut it out if we need to. It's it's a it's it's Christmas vacation. 
No, that's mine too. You don't get in trouble. Okay, for that. all right, good. See, I thought you were going right, to say good. Die Hard. <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite Christmas movie, but I do consider it a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, Mine is either Christmas yeah. Vacation yeah, or Elf. So you know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, those are those are my top two. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. All right. Well, you're forgiven for the in and out mistake then. Uh, <laughs> there we go. See, <laughs> there's always redemption. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, so the the Christmas Carol away in a manger. Is it overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Underrated. Hot takes. Hot takes. All right. I think it's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite Christmas food or snack? Mmm. Sausage balls. Mmm. That works. And then what was the one we skipped? Favorite non-Advent worship song to lead in worship? Yeah, um, it's a song called Dress Us Up by John Mark McMillan. Very good. I'm not familiar with that one. The the line in the chorus is, the love of God is stronger than the power of death. Good. Mm. Well, that'll be a, that's a good note for us to end on. So the love of God is stronger than the power of death. So we'll, we'll end there. Thanks for joining us, John. It's been good. We've enjoyed it. And um, grateful for the, the work that that you and that, that others like our worship minister here, Chris, are doing to try to, to bring people together in worship in a, in a time when everyone is not together is, is a difficult task and in many times, in many ways, is probably a thankless task. And so thank you for the work that you're doing and that, that all, all the other worship leaders like you are doing to try to, to, try to keep us connected through, through worship in this strange time. Yeah, thanks, Warren. I appreciate it. This has been fun. Um, I'd love to come back on anytime you want to have me. Sounds good. We'll take you up on that. So, all right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. If you'd like more information about the Hemistry podcast discussed in this episode, you can search the Apple or Android podcast store for Hemistry. That's H-Y-M-N-I-S-T-R-Y. I've listened to every episode and highly recommend it for anyone interested in contemporary worship music, especially that has strong roots in traditional hymns. And to close out this episode, here's an original song for Advent that John published on his Bandcamp page a few years ago. Hope is here. Go to johnhatfield.bandcamp.com. So please enjoy Hope is Here.
Yo 